Hello, and welcome to Industry Elites. On this podcast, Industry Elite's very own Natalie and Vicky are going to be interviewing business owners and individuals who have made their mark in their respective industries. There are endless possibilities when it comes to professions out there in the world today. Industry Elites will be bringing them all to you. From music to technology to medical professionals, we will be covering it all here. And let's leave it to the professionals and see the tips and tricks they can provide us all with. We are excited to be a part of sharing these industry leaders' stories. But since we are about figuring out our new normal in regards to COVID-19, we wanted to start addressing how everyone is coping so far. It's been a lot in the news lately since our last episode. What do you think our quarantine timeline is going to look like? It's crazy because I don't think anybody, like you said, has a for sure answer. It's all a guess because I think we like having an answer rather than leaving it uncertain. So even if the answer is not even... Hey, and welcome to Industry Leads. Today we have a very special episode to mark the end of our first podcasting season. We wanted to take the opportunity to do a recap of previous episodes in regards to how various industries and industry professionals have responded to the changing dynamics due to the COVID-19 pandemic. COVID has brought many overnight changes to what a current normal is, and the school system is no stranger to this. In Ontario, the post-secondary world has gone 98% online. Programs that cannot be transferred to an online setting have still remained in class. While kindergarten to grade 12 depends on the school district, some schools have the option of online learning or in-class only. Dr. Terrell Strayhorn is an academic at heart. Currently, he is a professor and is also serving as the vice president for academic and student affairs. Since 2017, he has been president and CEO of Do Good Work Educational Consulting, LLC. Prior to this role, he served on the faculty of the Ohio State University and University of Tennessee, Knoxville. You know, everyone's trying to learn all we can about the coronavirus and the disease that it caused, um, COVID-19. And I think that, you know, the news media, rightfully so, is turning a lot of attention to new scientific discoveries in medicine and epidemiology and public health. But education researchers like myself and my colleagues across the country are also trying to move swiftly to understand more about COVID's impact on education, teaching, learning, the process, students' experiences online. And so we have a large-scale survey that I'm analyzing now looking at the relationship between anxiety and worrying and taking courses online during COVID. The paper needs to be finished, it needs to be published, but you know, sort of preliminary results that stood out to me, it's like a researcher's dream. You know, I was mm-hmm. studying the relationship, just the basic correlation between these anxiety measures. And that is during this coronavirus, how often do you find yourself worrying, feeling anxious and out of breath, feeling depressed. So I correlated those measures with the frequency of taking courses online and found a strong positive correlation. So said differently, individuals, and most of these are students, but there are also some adult learners in this sample who take courses online. And the more courses they take, the more likely they're to feel this, spend a lot more time worrying feeling anxious, feeling depressed and overwhelmed. And so I think it's exactly to your point. And that is that now 
we have new questions in front of us. And that is, you know, before we always talked about online learning as almost like a learning style. Like some people preferred to learn in the classroom, some people preferred to learn online, but when you can only deliver instruction online, it's no longer a preference. It is the primary mode of delivery. So we need to pay attention to this and generate research that will provide answers to what are those, what are people's experiences in these classes? How much time do they devote to learning online? So now there's a whole literature that existed before. No one hardly ever paid attention to it, but it's getting, you know, all the buzz now around fatigue, online fatigue. So you spend a lot of time in front of your computer. It's exhausting. Not just, oh, for sure. <laughs> you know, not just exhausting to uh, like exactly. We'll get lots of amens on that point. But, you know, there's this is where education research about the frequency in which people engage learning materials online through videos and courses connects with some of our biological and medical research about the drain on our system. It, it, it wears our eyes out. Sitting in that chair is just, it's not good for your body for long periods of time. And so we will have to think about if this is to continue. And most signs suggest that we will continue this through the fall for most institutions. But we also predict that we will start seeing the manifestation of long-term engagement with the computer. So people will start complaining about and thinking about the setup of how do I sit at this computer this long? How can I balance my time so that I'm not in front of the screen all day long? You know, those who work in human factors, engineering design are already at the fore thinking about ergonomic keyboards and mouse pads. Now, these are not new inventions. We had them before, but it'll become, as we're calling out, it'll become the new normal for people because we have not had to globally sit in front of a computer for even this podcast, but it'll raise all sorts of new questions. And I think as people think about taking courses, managing work and school with life, anxieties will continue to increase, especially since this is an unknown virus. And so what our advice has been to all of our partners, especially the leaders of these institutions, is now is the time to perfect the art of consistent communication because, you know, when people know stuff, they feel better. They're more confident. They're oh, more at ease. But when people don't know, it only exacerbates the situation. So one of my friends says, informed people are happy people. And I think that the research will show over the course of time that informed people are also less, I'm sorry, informed students are less anxious students. So we'll need to tell them about the change in technologies. We'll need to tell them what we're doing, regular updates about how we're securing privacy and increasing security. We'll need to keep, you know, right now institutions, both K-12 and higher ed, need to be communicating with their constituents about plans for the fall. And this is the time, much like we see sometimes mimicked on the news, this is the time where it's okay to say we haven't decided yet, but here's where we are in the process. We're meeting 
Here's who's going to make that decision. Here's where we're getting input. I think people want to know more than less now. And then my final point about this is this connects back to the thrust of my personal research agenda over years, and that's on sense of belonging. When people know that you are thinking about them, you may not know the answer. You know, will we be open? Will we not? Will we be all online? Will it go back to in-class instruction? It's okay. This is new. We're all faced with new questions. It's okay to say you don't know, but when you communicate consistently and directly with people and let them know we're thinking about you, we are trying to make sure that you are going to be safe no matter what we do, it helps them know that people care about them. And that translates into a sense of belonging. Mental health and physical health has really become one of the hot topics during COVID. When constantly being at home, people are struggling to remain physically active. We also seem to be struggling with stress eating and not reaching for the healthiest of options. This is a stressful and unprecedented time, which has taken a toll on people's mental health. From constantly being bombarded with news about the pandemic to being upset for not being able to visit loved ones, the uncertainty and drastic changes are all factors in affecting one's mental health. Dr. Jan McBarron is an award-winning medical doctor, author, public speaker, and medical weight loss specialist with over 30 years of experience. Dr. McBarron is the leading authority and advocate for people who want answers to understand their health, diagnosis, and treatment options. She is currently focused on connecting with a broader base of people as a writer and a public speaker. I've always said to my patients, stressed is dessert spelled backwards. (laughs) When we're stressed, but there's a reason for this. When we're stressed, when we're stressed, our cortisol level goes up. And cortisol is a very damaging, damaging hormone the longer it circulates. So cortisol, high levels of cortisol on a regular basis are very, very unhealthy. They're unhealthy mentally. They're unhealthy for the inflammation in our body they cause. They're unhealthy for our ability to make decisions. We don't think clearly when we're under a lot of stress. everybody knows that. I mean, if you're trying to, you know, if you're stressed about something and you're trying to think of the answer, it's like you get really nervous and you can't think. But if you just, you know, slow down, take a deep breath and that lowers cortisol, by the way, take a deep breath, you know, that helps. But one other thing about stress right now, I predict or I anticipate, and I hope I'm wrong, but I I think this is what I can predict. I don't have a glass ball, but here's what I think. (laughs) I do think that people will be more stressed once we get out and we get back about our business because we're not going to go back to life the way it ever was before. No. This has changed the world globally, not just country by country. All of us have been so impacted by this that we will not go back to normal. We go, we will go back to a new norm. And whenever you have to do something new or there's change in your life, that's very stress provoked. So I think unto that self, we've got a new set of challenges as we get out of this quarantine and as we start trying to go about our business. But I do want to say this about stress for just a minute on a very serious note. Not that I wasn't serious before, but I was kind of joking about the stress in desserts. What, what is stress? What actually is it? If you had to define it, what would you say it is? Well, stress, is actually our reaction to the environment. It's our reaction. It's how we perceive or how we feel about what is happening around us. And it is a feeling of being out of control. So one of the best ways to feel less stress is to look at a situation and say, okay, what part of this can I control? And when you can feel that you have a sense of control about something, however small it is, your stress level goes down. So I just ask all of us as we are in this situation and going forward, more stressful situations, just stop for a minute and ask yourself, okay, 
what part of this can I control? And if you can find some part of it that I can control, that you can that you feel like you can control, you'll feel better. You'll feel less stress. You'll absolutely feel less stress. The more in control you feel, the less stress you'll feel. So it's your reaction to the environment. You ever see people that under certain times of stress, like they seem cool as a cucumber and other people are whizzing out of control? Yeah. yeah. It's because the ones whizzing out of control are the ones that don't feel like they have any control over anything. The mass exodus from the office is definitely not something that could have been predicted. With most office workers being allowed to work from home over an extended period of time or even permanently, such major companies as Google, Shopify, and some Amazon people are doing this. Workers have had to find space in their homes to create a new office space, as well as overcoming the very thin line of work-life balance. On today's episode of Industry Elites, Vicky and I are really excited to get the chance to talk to former professional tennis player and currently the president of the Financial Benefits Research Group, Justin Gimmelstab. Justin Gimmelstab began playing tennis at the age of eight and was the top ranked player in every age group from 12 years of age through 18. Inducted into his high school hall of fame, Justin also achieved extraordinary athletic and academic success while attending UCLA. In 1996, Justin earned academic honors while achieving the number one ranking in singles and doubles tennis. After UCLA, Justin turned professional and competed at the ATP World Tour for 13 years. In 1998, he won the Australian Open and French Open Mixed Doubles Championship with Venus Williams. Justin retired in 2007 from the sport of tennis. He immediately transitioned to every facet of sports business, including broadcasting, production, talent representation, and brand management. Well, it's been a very interesting time. I mean, unprecedented. Um, if you think about it, I don't know that there's ever been a situation where every single person in the world is affected. I know, I know look, people compare this to the Spanish flu, but based on the population and the consequences and, and so forth, I don't know that it's necessarily a comp. I mean, every single person in the world, doesn't matter your socioeconomic standing, your vocation, your geography, your occupation, uh, your age. I mean, every single person, I mean, it's a very bizarre, unprecedented situation. Obviously, it's having catastrophic consequences on humanity and, and the economy. But I am a believer, and this is probably from my sports background, I am a believer. First of all, I'm an optimist, and I'm a believer that chaos creates opportunities. I mean, if you look at the history of the world and some of the most uh, challenging times, there has been incredible innovation. There have been opportunities that come out of it. It's... So you just have to try and see where the world's going, see how the world is changing. Every industry is challenged in a different way. And, you know, try and, even though it sounds kind of Pollyanna, try and make the best of the situation. Now, obviously, myself and some others in, you know, a certain group are in a little bit of a different situation. I, I kind of narrow it down to three groups. If you're, you're you're still in your home, you have enough food, and your friends and family are healthy, I mean, that's mm-hmm. kind of now the demarcation point for, you know, where life is okay or or good enough. But also in a perverse way, I have to say, I mean, I'm a single father. I have a six-year-old boy. And I suspect that years from now, and I've talked about this with some other parents, I mean, years from now, uh, with everyone running a million miles a minute, like, you know, I'll look back at this and be like, wow, like, I was able to see my son learn how to read and ride his bike for the first time and and see what I was see how we handled some challenges in school and see him interact with his friends on, you know, Zoom or just be around him more at a young age at such a formative time. For me professionally, it's also I also see it as an opportunity going into a new business a couple of years ago and, you know, having 
a unique a unique situation as a new business because it's actually an established business that my father established it's over 40 years old so it has an existing business and clientele me learning a whole new business so managing all the old accounts managing the office learning the business and trying to create new business so with everyone being stationary and while you know getting people to spend money or even think about money isn't that easy right now it's still an opportunity to service clients and for me to learn about the business and all different parts of the business and zoom has made it very efficient to meet you know set up zoom calls with yeah, professional definitely. groups and network groups i mean so every day i'm either speaking to clients auditing policies studying different things online you know zooming with estate planners or cpas or business managers so just once again just trying to do the do the best i can with uh, this situation and let me put it this way when i hear a lot of people complaining that there's not enough on netflix that's not a situation that i'm i'll just figure out how to try and come out of this uh, best prepared because of having to work from home basically overnight, companies and individuals have had to scramble to overcome the hurdles of not physically being in the office. With the use of video chat services such as Zoom and Skype, coworkers have been able to maintain contact and collaboration. Vlad Rodenko is a talented Canadian entrepreneur. He has worked with other business professionals in the greater Toronto area for over eight years. Both an entrepreneur and the founder of Dude, Vlad Rodenko's primary concern is the overall satisfaction of each and every one of his clients. It's just a matter of time for people to honestly to catch up, to catch up, to understand that it was digital. It, it was a digital world already 10 years ago. It's just it's becoming more and more digital right now. Right. And specifically for the older generation, for them, uh, this whole time. So my mom asked me, like, Vlad, it's like, how do what is Zoom? <laughs> and, how, <laughs> and how do you Zoom? Because all the families you know, overseas, et cetera. So, so, you know, they're, they're trying to catch up as well. It will take time, but it's definitely evolving to, towards this. Right. But back to back to the YouTube videos, corporate for training specifically, the, you know, so corporations and, you know, large businesses, they, they saw a huge, actually an 80% increase in, in their employees, you know, being more professional after watching videos, like corporate training videos. So you're thinking to yourself, okay, well, one, a video can show so much of how this is done, etc. But a video without interruptions, it's the reality of how this work can be done, etc. So I guess we're, we're, you know, we're switching to this new era. Uh, I think even people will be working from home. It was never in people's mindset that working from home can become productive and motivational. You know, it was more of like a, uh, like a cliche this all, all these years that, okay, I have a job. I have to go physically to that job unless that job requires you to, right? But, you know, and then working from home, it's like, okay, you come rest. But now people look at it differently. As I said, they will try to manage their times differently right now. If I'm working from home and I think can be beneficial as well, right? I think that definitely, yeah, I think it can be definitely uh, motivational. It's just, it's all the matter of how you have your mindset, right? I mean, yeah. definitely, you know, you have the kitchen right next to you, you have the TV, you have your family, you have your sister, you have your dog eating your shoe or something. And <laughs> and it's and it bothers you, but you need to have a clear mindset and, you know, specifically, okay, you have to put an objective. You can become productive, even if it's just for one hour and do more than what you would do in the office for eight hours. Well, not eight, let's say five hours, right? Mm-hmm. Don't forget, okay, in the office, we have the employees running around. You want to have your coffee every half an hour. You have the phone calls, you have the emails, you're sitting on, you know, in front of that desk, you know, every day and you just get tired. But a change of scenery where at home you can maybe go outside, even jog for it for 20 minutes. I don't know. Speak to your family member for even five, 10 minutes. That's it clears your mindset. And then, OK, let's go back to work. So there is definitely an advantage in working from home as well. 
for certain people, mm-hmm. it will change. It will change for the people who want it to change themselves, who want to change themselves. If you're used to your old routine and, and you're happy about it, which is fine, then sure, go ahead. You know, same routine, waking up six, seven o'clock in the morning, going to work in the office, eight, nine, and then you're working for eight hours, having that same coffee, same desk. And if you're happy with it, sure. But if you want to, I guess, you know, to, to achieve more and kind of to do more in life, because, you know, time is very, and unfortunately limited, but time is our most valuable resource, at least to what I think, then you definitely, you are going to change. You're going to adapt to maybe a new norm. You will try to work from home. You're, you're trying to be more productive. As I mentioned, that one hour working from home can be much more productive than working four hours in the office. It really depends on people themselves, whether they want to change or they want to, you know, stay the same. And being And staying the same is fine too. It's normal. Wow, that's really crazy to think it's been 188 days since we've entered lockdown. Remember when it was only supposed to be a week? COVID has definitely become a hot topic, not only globally, but on our podcast as well. It's the common link that we're all going through right now. And it'll definitely be interesting to look back on this in maybe another 180 days to see where we're at. Even possibly now with entering a second lockdown. This concludes our first season recap episode, and we hope you enjoyed watching the podcast grow. Join us next week for the start of season two. As always, thanks for listening.